We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. We've got a busy week ahead. I know I've got some travel coming up and we've got, oh boy, a lot of NBA basketball to talk about. I got to tell you, Keith, knowing what's ahead of me right now, that I've got a lot of travel coming up. I'm going to be doing a lot of shows not in my studio. It feels good to finally, even if it's only briefly, be back home. My very short visit to uh, to your hometown <laughs> to Orlando. Oh my goodness, that was hectic. Yeah, and cold here too, which you don't expect. Are you expect to come to Florida and have it be nice and sunny and warm? And it's 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 a little chilly here right now. That's why I'm all uh, bundled up in the long sleeves and everything. But it's uh, yeah, hey, it was uh, it, it it's that time of year, right? We get a million things going on, and even mm-hmm. though school is out for both of our kids, it's where still it feels like there's ten million things going on, and and maybe a little bit of basketball too, a little bit uh, thrown in there. But yeah, and just so everybody knows, uh, as is going to be our annual tradition, we're going to do our Christmas themed episode a little bit later this week, mm-hmm. uh, where we will give a gift to every NBA team uh, as we go through, just like we did last year. We'll have a lot of fun and, and goof around, and yeah, it's more of a lighthearted fun show we'll, we'll have a good time with that one yeah it's it's a blast i'll have to break out the snow falling uh graphic and, and <laughs> absolutely all that stuff with it. It, it'll be and that's a, be the a only reason i'm coming that's that's the only reason you're going to be here is, is is for that um yeah it'll be it, it's going to be a good time and yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll have some fun with it but we've got a ton to get into today um a lot of things that, that are going on around the league right now and i guess Let's start with this. You know, Keith, I got um, the day I was getting ready to travel to, or I can't even keep my days straight at this point. The day I was getting ready to travel <laughs> Monday, to Orlando, I, think. I, I looked at my clock and I said, okay, cool. I can sleep for about an hour, maybe two, before I have to head to the airport because I finished up my uh, my show that night and I had an early morning flight. And as I lay down to go to sleep, I got a text message saying my flight was canceled. And so I had to scramble. I got an even earlier flight. I didn't sleep at all. But I'm, I'm telling you all of this simply because that was the second worst notification that I got over the weekend. The worst was the one that, that said that Anthony Davis uh, was out due to injury. The Lakers wound up winning that game anyway against the Denver Nuggets. Had an incredible second half without AD. Uh, but Anthony Davis... It's weird, everybody. This is strange. This is not normal for us still to be sitting here and not know what the injury is and have everything so hush-hush. It could break at any moment. Darvin Ham said last night 
that the team should be letting everybody know what's going on sometime today and that Davis met with doctors last night. All we've heard is the Shams report that he's out for four weeks, maybe more. But again, we don't even know exactly what happened to him right now. It's just right foot soreness. So Keith, that's got me pretty worried about what could really be going on here. Yeah, it's rarely good when it doesn't come out right away. And we're, we've heard some reporting that he's seeing other specialists and doctors and those kind of things. And, and that, that, that has me a little bit nervous. I, you know, obviously, the Lakers will be smart with this. Um, I think they are very cognizant of where they sit in the standings right now, it is not going to be worth anything to rush Anthony Davis back uh, or to ask him to play through anything or anything like that. So, but the real question is, what is the real injury? And then what is the timeline to, mm-hmm. to get back? And, and I think the challenge with this is it's now we're days later. This isn't just a day later or a couple days. This is what now, Friday was when he initially got hurt, if I'm mm-hmm. right on my timing. And it's Monday. And to your point, we still don't know. And it's now it's late in the day, Monday, because it's, I mean, we're into the afternoon on the West Coast, too, as we're recording this a little later in the day for us yeah. on uh, what, you know, on uh, Monday afternoon. Normally, if we record early Monday afternoon, you'd say, all right, it's morning on the West Coast. They probably just haven't gotten fully going yet. And, you know, that, that, that's tough. And, and clearly, any lengthy, absence so anything more than a couple weeks for anthony davis that is you know i don't want to say the death blow to the lakers season but it's going to be pretty close it's going to be hard for them to to hang in there despite the fact as you said they won friday and they won sunday so Mm -hmm. maybe he's been the problem all along and they just needed to get him (laughs) don't don't do that because there are fans (laughs) that will run with that kind of stuff and they i've seen i hey you forget it was it was it was less than a week ago i did a live show with you and i I I certainly right. saw you, this, the, uh, the sentiment out there of uh, AD's got to go. This guy stinks. And that's you know, very cool. 29 teams would be very happy. You know, just if it's that bad, please salary dump him with, with a pick. Forget Russ. You know, there, we'll there were there. It's a weird dynamic where there are there are fans that were super excited about everything AD was doing. There were some that were saying, well, he's going to get hurt. So trade him quickly before something like that happens. Um, and so, of course, they're taking victory laps right now. But there's also this subset that we've seen that hasn't been as big of a thing this year of Russell Westbrook fans or stands, if you will, as the kids would say, um, who want to deflect any blame from Hmm. Russ on what's going on. So everything is anti-Anthony Davis. Everything is anti-LeBron or anti-coach, anti-front. You know, they just want to put blame elsewhere. Um, So that's been a thing, too, where you've got kind of these different subsets that take shots at different players, depending on which player they're actually a fan of. Anyway, it's bizarre. Um, so right now, if you're the Lakers, I would have to imagine that any team the Lakers call up in any attempt to try to add pieces right now are going to try to completely fleece the -hmm. Lakers in in any deal, right? I mean, they're going to, if you're trying to add talent, they're going to say, well, you guys are desperate because AD's out. So we want everything, right? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I mean, yeah, if it hasn't been happening already, it's going to be I think it really is. amped up. I, I think now, even in the, you know, Beverly and none for a player who maybe is more salary for the other side, they're still going to want something of value. You know, give us one of those first. And, you know, even if you need to throw protections on it, uh, we'll take that or give us, you know, those two guys and, you know, an unprotected pick or something along those lines. For me, if I'm the Lakers, nothing changes. I am whatever I've drawn my line at that's that line still remains the same because Mm -hmm. 
I don't know that it's weird to say this. They are, I just looked, they're three and a half games out of fifth. So that's really crazy. Just considering how compact the West is. But I think what you have to do if you are the Lakers is you have to be smart about this because yeah, you're three and a half games out of fifth, but you've got a whole mountain of teams to climb. If you're even going to get that high. So you got to be really, really smart in, in this decision-making and not allow yourself to be fleeced and make a panic trade or anything like that. They've done well so far uh, to hang in there and say, Nope, we're not doing this. We're not giving up both picks just to get rid of Russ. That's not going to be how this plays out. So, you know, continue to hang in there. Cause I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this takes you out of the running to rally back and make the playoffs, you know, if he's out long-term, but there's no guarantee that was going to happen anyway. So I just, I I would stay strong with whatever line I've drawn. And this is our, our value that we have attached to players, whether it be internally or externally, Hey, hold strong to that. You you, you can't, you can't move off that just because of this injury. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. A hundred percent. agree. A hundred percent. All right. Speaking of players that the Lakers have targeted and kind of posturing and trade negotiation and and all that kind of stuff. uh, The Pistons reportedly are telling teams that they want to keep Boyan Bogdanovich. I, that's that's also normal this time of year right like yeah. this is and so i don't i don't want to say like oh the pistons are lying they're definitely trading him no like they they have legitimate reasons why they would want to keep him and why they think that he can be a great mentor to Cade cunningham and a great fit along alongside Cade cunningham and all of these things but we also know that this time of year is when everybody sets their prices super high you know i saw earlier today somebody made the comment like the way it works is in december prices are super high in January, they're really high. And then in February, right before the deadline, then they get more realistic and you can actually... That was Eric Pinkus wrote that. Uh, was for, was for that Eric? I, I, buddy, I couldn't remember who, who put that. Yes. Yeah, and I was going to bring up that same line. And he's spot on. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly yep. what happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that could be part... What The Pistons saying this about Bogdanovich could be part of that dynamic where they're saying, well, you know what? The offers that have come in so far, nah, we're not We're not even trading him then. Nah, we're not. we're not interested. Mm-hmm maybe something by February that sometime around then that changes. But for now they're telling teams, you know what? He's playing great. And we think he can be a long-term fit with us. So we're just going to keep him. Yeah. In, in, I think there's truth to it. I don't think this is nowhere near the Pistons are not desperate to move him or anything, but mm-hmm. I also think if a team comes in and says, Hey, here's three future firsts and swap rights. And then the Pistons are going to be like, sure, done. Let's go. Like, oh, yeah. This is, you know, I mean, they're, they're basically just saying, Hey, if you want the guy, you're going to have to pay to get him." Now we're a month and a half away from the trade deadline. Let's see what happens when we get closer. If they're really falling out, some team is desperate for a wing score and says, Hey, we can get there. And they are willing to throw an unprotected first or something like that. Then I think maybe Detroit starts to rethink that whole idea of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we we want to have him because we think he's a good fit alongside Cade Cunningham when he gets back. You know what? There'll be other guys who are really nice fits alongside Cade Cunningham too, that they might be able to go get. So, you know, but Bogdanovich, He's playing great, too. So you also have to factor in that into your ask. If you're the Pistons, he's playing really, really good basketball. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure, like, hey, this is not a guy we're just giving away or somebody who's like, ah, maybe he'll, you know, turn it around and figure it out for you. Like, he he has played, you know, wonderful basketball this year, too. So, I, yeah, I think there's posturing in there, but I think there's a lot of truth in there as well. Yeah, right. I don't think this is just a bluff. And we'll see. It could be that the price remains super high and the offers are, are lower and, the, you know, a deal doesn't come about. Uh, that's certainly possible. I mean, this is it reminds me in some ways, it, it, a little bit different dynamic, but of, of Houston with Eric Gordon, where they've consistently said, 
it's a first round pick for Eric Gordon and teams have said mm-hmm. no. And so there, so Eric Gordon is still with the Rockets. So just, yep. there's been no deal because of that. So um, we'll for, see for four years running. It feels for, like. Literally right. <laughs> for, for, from what, from what, as I recall, there were teams at one point, I don't know if it was last season or season before, but there were teams that were offering up first, but it was a first and, and a salary. player. Yeah. Right. And that, and that was yeah. what derailed any deal, but now we're still, well, and then they wanted to attach him to John wall a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. And that yeah. turned into a whole thing that no one was willing to do. So yeah, it, it is kind of funny how, you know, those things come, but now we're down to, this is probably his last year in Houston. Yep. At least, at least my guess is his last year on this contract. So, you know, that, that could start to change things a little bit there and, you know, and then, then we'll see, but yeah, Hey, this is what you do. Ask because, mm-hmm. because if you're the Pistons or you're the Rockets, what's trading them today or trading them a month and a half, it's not going to change yeah. much for you. The only thing that could change is the player gets hurt and then nobody wants to trade for him, but chances that are you know fairly minor and that's not the way you're going to make your decisions moving forward right yeah i mean if you're maybe houston maybe february 8th houston goes okay two seconds right and yeah. then you know yeah. i mean that, that could happen yeah um kyle kuzma made it known that he is going to decline his player option or at least that's the plan right now and this makes perfect sense this isn't even necessarily a sign that he wants to leave the Wizards. I know there's been some of that buzz going around, and there might be other reasons why, but him just declining his player option doesn't say anything about his future. It simply says he would like to make more money in his future, and the current contract that he's on uh, isn't going to offer him as much as the open market almost certainly will, barring some sort of injuries, scoring over 20 points per game right now for the Washington Wizards. So Kyle Kuzma should be in for a big payday. Uh, why no, why why not go the extension route, Keith, here? I know you wanted to, to discuss that a little bit. Yeah, it's because of the extension rules for a player like Kyle Kuzma are, uh, to put it simple, they're, they're kind of broken. Um, when, when guys can do the Supermax extension, those are great because that gets the guy, he jumps the salary tier, he gets paid, you know, you know, life-changing, you know, you know, $200 million contracts. We're approaching $300 million contracts and the like. Now, in a challenge with um, with, with Kuzma is he can only get um, 120% because he's obviously he's not super max eligible. So he makes $13 million right now. That'd be a first-year salary of $15.6 million. In this rising cap environment, for a guy who scores 20 points per game, he's hit the boards fairly well this season. He shoots it well. Should be fairly easy to plug and play into most other teams because he can play either forward spot. $15.6 million is not nearly enough for Kyle Kuzma in first-year salary on a new contract. He's going to get 20 to $25 million easy, without a doubt. And, and I, I know I had some people when I said this the other day, like, Kyle Kuzma's going to get $25 million. You have to readjust. $25 million is what you pay for a good player, even a non-all-star level guy. And he may still get cracked at all-star level. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's not going to extend right now because he geez, would just leave way too money on the too much money on the table. Um, it's similar about half the salary um, to what why Jalen Brown won't sign an extension with Boston because it's the same thing. He'd have to leave too much money on the table. So I'll have a piece coming on spot track um, probably later this week. So if you need to run and hide from the family a little bit and, and uh, you know, post up and read, read something, uh, you'll be able to read this breaking down why Kyle Kuzma will not do an extension and it'll lay out all the numbers and the math and everything and explain just how much money he'd leave on the table to do so. 
Right, right. So again, don't don't look at this and take this as a sign of what no. his future plans are. This is simply a financial. It just makes no sense. And and maybe this is something that gets addressed in the future CBA, because I don't even know if this is a positive thing where you have players where an extension being offered to them is not a good thing or yeah, is not, it's not, it's not right? something that they can accept. Right. Yeah. Cause it, it's, it, they still have the choice, right. If they, they still want to say, I want to hold out and see, you know, right. Mm-hmm. I really don't want to be here anymore outside of the guys coming off the rookie scale because of the way restricted free agency works. I personally think restricted free agency is a little too punitive to the players too, but it that's is. topic we can discuss later. Um, but yeah, I think for the veteran players, they still have their choice if they want to do this or not. You know, and if you don't want to sign, great. So progress forward, play out your contract, opt out, and move on in the offseason. You don't need to do the extension if that's really what you don't want to do. I'll say this too. Now, from the Wizards side, it becomes a little tricky for them Absolutely. because you now have a decision to make. He's making it clearly known he's going to decline his player option. He was always going to do that. That player option is only for $13 million too. Remember, right? He signed with the Lakers, a very good contract for the Lakers when he signed it of $13 million a year flat, right? So that was a great deal that he signed with them a couple seasons back. So now what we look at here is this is a situation where He was always going to decline that and opt out and get more money. But now that he's making it so known, you're playing a little bit of a gamble here, right? They Mm -hmm. can still offer him more than anybody else can because they can offer him five years. They could offer him the the, um, 8% raises versus 5%. They can give him all the same stuff any other team can give him. They can just give him more money. But if you're Kuzma and you're looking at saying, ah, you know, I kind of think I'd like to go here. I'd like to go somewhere where maybe I'm I'm getting more touches because there's Beal and Porzingis here or whatever the case may be. Um, If you would all start to get the sense of this guy might not be around much longer, you probably have to consider trading him before the trade deadline just because – the team's probably not going anywhere. I want to say they want they've lost 10 or 11 in a row. Now they've lost 10 in a row. They're 11 and 20. They're not going anywhere this season. So trading him's not exactly going to hurt you on the floor result-wise. So you got to really think about that now if you think, "All right, we feel really good that we can get him back." Then maybe you look at it and say, "All right, well we're going to hang on to him." But that that's a risk. So that's where that gets a little more interesting. Yeah, your 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 decision making tree essentially with with Kyle Kuzma. You're, if you're the the Wizards, the first thing you have to think about is, do we want him long term? Do we think mm-hmm. that this is a player that is a long term fit? And assuming the answer to that is yes, then it becomes, what's the next contract going to look like, and are we comfortable with paying that? Um, and that's where you've got to have the conversations with him. That's that you've got to benefit. He's on your roster. You can have those kinds of, uh, of discussions and say, Hey, you know, what is it that you're going to be looking for on this next deal? Let's see. Are, are we going to be comfortable paying that? Doesn't mean he has to commit to, Hey, if you guys offer this, I'll stay. Um, that kind of stuff could be, you know, mentioned or whatever, but, sure. um, it's just a matter of going through and saying, if he's going to make 25 million next year, if that's what it is that he wants, if that's what it's going to take to potentially keep him. Are we okay with doing that? And what's the likelihood of us keeping him? And then you use the, that decision-making process to inform what you do next, whether or not you decide to move him before uh, before the trade deadline. Because what you really can't do if you're the Wizards is you can't just have it be totally up in the air or come to the, the decision that you're going to just let him walk away and lose him for nothing. Yeah. Right? You, you really can't do that. That's one of the most damaging things that we see happen in the NBA is mm-hmm. when you lose a player and you don't really get anything out of it. So they need to either feel like they're okay with paying him and they have a pretty good shot at keeping him on whatever his next contract is going to be, or you need to move him by, by the deadline. 
Yeah, and Kyle Kuzma, one heck of an alternative to the teams who maybe can't get Boyan Bogdanovich um, if you can't get a deal done for him. Because yeah. similar-ish player as far as the way they play and what they offer to you as a team. And, and he makes less money. He makes about you know uh, $6 million or so less than Bogdanovich does. And in terms of... In terms of capital, what you have, to, I would I would have to imagine Kuzma commands a larger return on a deal. Yeah, I think because so. Age, He's I think enough younger. In. Yeah, not enough yeah. younger. Um, it's a little harder because Bogdanovich is under contract already for the next couple of seasons, True. and you gotta pay Kuzma if you trade for him. Um, related. Really interesting summer coming for the Wizards. I know we're miles away from that yet, but. Mm-hmm. Porzingis has a player option. He's probably going to opt out. Uh, Rui Hachimura is a restricted free agent. Will Barton's contract expires. Denny Avdia is extension eligible. That wouldn't kick in until the 24-25 season. But you've got a lot of stuff, and you've got Beal kind of as the only significant money sitting on your books long-term. Daniel Gafford does have that uh, extension that he bumps up to $12 million from $2 million this year. So there, there's just some stuff the Wizards got to work through. And, and, and again, you feel like this could be an opportunity to move Kuzma, get some assets, rebalance things, re- reset yourself a little bit, especially if you're not fully convinced he's a guy to walk into paying long term. Long term. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We've talked a lot about the fact that there's not that many teams on the market right now that are sellers, and uh, the Wizards are a team that could very easily flip into sell mode. Um, another such team is the Chicago Bulls. That's the team that you most often hear that teams are, you know, kind of keeping their eye on them to see if they ultimately decide um, to uh, to become a seller on the market and trade away some players. Zach Levine was not thrilled with the Bulls play, losing by 24 against a depleted Minnesota Timberwolves side. Uh, he said. It's embarrassing. We're all a little embarrassed about it. Also added that he knows it's frustrating uh, for the fans. So where does this leave Chicago now? I mean, is this, they are 11 and 18 at the moment. I know last we heard they're saying, no, 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 we're not trading away guys like DeRozan. We're not trading Vucevic. We're not doing, but as these losses pile up, you have to imagine they're, they've got to start seriously considering uh, looking ahead to the future. Yeah, you have to because you're looking at their five and a half games out now of the sixth seed, and that's the final assured playoff spot. So if you're Chicago, you're really looking at it saying, all right, well, we can get into the play-in and really make a run here and go. They're not beating Milwaukee. They're not beating Boston. And I say this knowing they've already beaten the Celtics twice this year. Probably not beating Cleveland. 
Brooklyn, Philly, if they jump up there, probably not getting either one of them. So it, it, it's kind of as sad as it is because we're basically a year away from everything looking great for the Bulls. They were one of the best teams in the East at this time a year ago. You got to really start looking at it and saying, because this is how quick things move in the NBA. Where are we going this year, next year, year after? Uh, Vucevic comes off the books. So are we going to resign him or are we going to let him go? Well, what's our plan there? If we let him go, they don't really have the cap space to replace him because next season you've got Lonzo on the books at 20.5 million. You've got DeRozan at 28.6 and you've got Levine at 40.1 million. So you're, you're completely out of cap space. You've got no chance at, at uh, you know, replacing uh, Vucevic if he leaves. So you got to really start to have those conversations and say, all right, what are we doing? Where are we going as a team? And, I know that's rough because, again, a year ago, you were the best were team in the fun. East. Yeah, they were playing really well. It was like, man, you know, it was all the, the Bulls are back. You know, everybody yep. felt great about it. And now it's just gotten really messy. And not only that, what's going on with Alonzo? Is he going to be back? Is he not? What's going on right. with Zach Levine? He doesn't look exactly right when yeah. he's out there. And as well as he has played during his time in Chicago, you got to be very realistic with yourself that uh, DeMar DeRozan is 33 years old now. And, you know, that that's tough. You know, where, where, where are we at? You know, how, how far are we going to get with, with him as well uh, moving forward? How many more years of, you know, all-star level play are we going to get out of DeMar DeRozan? I mean, no Gobert. No towns, mm-hmm. and you give up 150 points to, to the wolves. Now, I, I now the wolves shot 66% from the field, 54% from three. Right? I mean, like uh, some of that's just not I watched not- that the game this morning because I wanted to see what happened. Yeah, a lot of wide open shots for Minnesota. If it wasn't a layup right down down the lane, it was wide open jump shots. So, so it I was- mean I mean, it's, even wide open though, that's still above. Oh, for you, sure. You would expect, no but doubt. nonetheless, it's not just. Oh, that team just had a hot shooting mm-hmm. night. The Bulls have had some yeah, some real bad. issues here. Yeah. It's not something yeah. you can just dismiss. Um, and that's with the Rosen dropping twenty nine, with Vucevic mm-hmm. dropping twenty three, with Levine putting up twenty two. Like that's that's got to be concerning if uh, if you're the Chicago Bulls right now. So we'll we'll see yeah. ultimately what this team um, decides to do. This is yeah. uh, this is a tough spot for them to be in for sure, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, well, let, let's get into this. Let, let's do a positive light. The was it light? The beam, light the light. beam, Monty McNair. You do. Offer. Hold on. Did you see the beam? They made it brighter now. They did. Yeah. So, so fans were like, it needs to be brighter. Like oh. make it even brighter. So, so I'm, I don't know how you do such a thing. I'm, I'm far from a, uh, beam lighting expert, but <laughs> they made it brighter. Vivek Renadive came out and said, we heard you, we made it brighter. So now people are like, let's make it brighter after every win. I I'm all in on the beam. I, it's gonna you be know, by the end I, I want to see it from here in Orlando. Like I want to walk <laughs> out, turn my eyes to the West and, and see the beam after a Kings win. So it's that's going to be like, isn't it? Um, like you can see the lights from Las Vegas and space and stuff like that. It's going to be like, like that. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Should be that's yeah. that's the hope, right? Let's go. Maybe, maybe that's how we finally make contact with the you know alien societies, the Sacramento Kings. Make it happen because the beam just has to keep getting stronger. It's sending multiple voyagers, untold thousand millions of miles into space at ridiculous speeds, is not enough. But lighting the beam will draw the aliens here. Is that a good thing that we draw? Yeah, because the then they see like. Darren Fox and Sabonis and you know Keegan Murray and those guys and like man what well, whatever this is this is fun 
and then they decide like, well, that's it. We're going to make friends with the, with, with the people on that strange planet versus attacking them. And, we come know, in peace. Yeah. Right. There it is. Yeah. We, we that's come in, we come in meta world peace. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there we go. There Got we it right go. back. We, we found it. Um, so Monty McNair operating in the last year of his deal. Obviously the Kings have had success this year. Uh, finally, we're seeing success for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, does the, a lot of people say, Hey, okay, where's the extension then? Right. Let's reward people for, uh, for good things happening. What happens here with him? Have to imagine Sacramento is going to take care of him. He took a big risk making mm -hmm. the Sabonis trade. And it, it seems to have, I mean, this is one of those trades that really seemed to have worked out for both teams that were involved when we talked Indiana and Sacramento. Yeah. And it's funny, right? Because I think, I think we took the approach of like, yeah, weird that they traded, uh, traded, uh, Hal Burton so quickly, but this could, <laughs> the, the puppy wants to play with the other dog. <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 got thoughts on the the king street um but yeah we we thought weird that they give up Halliburton so quickly but on the flip side it was like all right people are murdering the kings here they got a really good player in sabonis back like this isn't you know as insane as it seems but yeah reporting from mark stein is everybody around the league expects this will get done uh sometime in the new calendar year which is it's a little weird we've got a couple gms now working about the end of their contract contract without an extension. And that's a little odd considering we're hitting into a very big period uh, at the trade deadline where, you know, Hey, if I, am I going to be here? Am I not? I got to make all these decisions, but my guess is the Kings, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get this right. Um, and then say, all right, well, let's do this. Let's get Monty McNair locked up. Let's move forward and let's uh, keep, keep the good times rolling here in Sacramento as long as we can. Yeah. That's um that's going to be important for them is, is to once you've found the success, find consistency and, and see if you can just keep that ball rolling, rolling forward. There. And, and, you know, the Sabonis trade is a big one that still jumps out, you know, almost a year later. But drafted Keegan Murray, he's starting to really figure it out. The trade for Kevin Herter this offseason, really good trade. And then signing Malik Monk and really, you know, important too. last year, even though they didn't end up making the postseason, being in a position to get a guy like Malik Monk. Because it's not like they came on and said, hey, Malik Monk, here's $25 million a season and vastly overpaid him, which is quite frankly what the Kings would have done, you know, year over year over year. It was like, hey, you, yeah, exactly. You 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 want our mid-level exception and not even all of it. Like we're going to carve a little bit out for a plan that didn't end up coming through. But we're, we're going to, you know, will you take a little bit less? And he did. I mean, they, they've really built a nice roster there in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. They, they absolutely have, absolutely have. Um, some more positive news here. The Atlanta Hawks have mm -hmm. some players coming back, including a favorite of yours and mine, John Collins, <laughs> perpetually on the trade block, and DeJounte Murray potentially getting back in action as well. Uh, good news for a Hawks team that's been struggling a bit, particularly with, I mean, Trey Young kind of has been in a weird shooting slump, and mm -hmm. I, hopefully this will help bring uh, some stability to Atlanta. Yeah, if you're Atlanta, what your goal now is get these guys back and give yourself the next month to really, all right, what are we? Like, well, we got to figure this out. What is it where we are? What is it we're going to be? How do we move forward? Just not only for the rest of this season, but what are we setting up for in the years to come? Because mm -hmm. they, they've, they've, they've got some decisions to make you know, with this. And if you're trying to move Collins, I not that teams need to see him play, but you'd feel a little bit better if you can get back at a handful of games under his belt and look pretty good that then you can move on from that. So yeah, I, this is, this is good news for a Hawks team. That's been kind of floating around 500 all year long. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Another topic that you and I have spoken about quite a bit, 
Uh, we'll finish with this. Expansion. Finally, it feels like Adam Silver has been saying, well, you know, we're not sure on anything. <laughs> he's been kind of hemming and hawing about it and everything and not wanting to commit. Now he's like, yeah, it's coming, right? Like yeah. it's, this is, this is going to happen. You and I have been talking about it. Keith, I, I think I see, I saw on Twitter, you put your own prediction out there of it'll get approved within three years. It'll be official. And then we'll have a, have new teams in the league in the next, I think you put four to five years. Is that right? I think it's in five to six, five, maybe it was um, five to six. I don't know, but it's somewhere in that range. Yeah. 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 So, so expansion is yep. coming to, to the NBA. And it absolutely is Adam silver for years, basically since he took over. So what happens is the commissioner gives kind of a state of the NBA address a couple of times a year, usually at all-star weekend, then usually right before the start of the NBA finals. And he gets asked every single time, are we going to expand? Is there going to be expansion? What's going on with expansion? He has repeatedly said, no, not even a consideration, nothing we're thinking about. We want 30 healthy, stable franchises. And he basically had a very canned answer that he gave every single time, even when there were credible reports of oh, the NBA has been working with Seattle. They've been working with this other market and this one and kind of looking at it. He is always still held firm to no. First time he kind of let it slip a little bit was when they were coming back from the pandemic and they said, you know, remember there's all those rumors could expansion be the way owners mm -hmm. could recoup a bunch of money right. and all this stuff. And he, first time he ever came out and he said, we've dusted off the expansion analysis. We're going to relook at it. And I was like, okay, now there's a little something here. Mm -hmm. Now the last, the last two years since, since that pandemic impacted season, that initial one that finished in the bubble, he has basically said it's not something we're looking at now, but it's something we could look at down the line. So what happened this week was the Spurs and Heat played in the Mexico City game. So he was there. Uh, Mark Tatum was there as well. Mark Tatum, the deputy commissioner, was asked about the G League team, the, the Mexico City, Mexico City uh, Capitans. You know, could this be a way for Mexico City to get a team? Are you trying them out as a market? And he basically said, without saying it directly, but, yeah, we're, we're seeing what it could look like. Can a team be functional here with the mm -hmm. travel and the logistics and all, all the things that are required? Then Adam Silver basically doubled down and said, yeah, we're looking at Mexico City and Mexico as our gateway into further growth in Latin America. And they both brought out a whole bunch of stats about how basketball is now the second most popular sport in, in Mexico behind soccer and all these things. And then directly said Adam Silver's quote was, which should get people excited if you're looking forward to being two more teams or mm -hmm. more or whatever, was we've got to do the CBA first, then our media rights deal, then we will turn to expansion. It wasn't a then we'll think about it, then maybe we'll look at it. was we will turn to expansion. So the reason I said three years is this year's all about the CBA. Got to get that done. This year, they just extended the opt-out, mutual opt-out to February. It's going to get done. They're, they're going to get the CBA done. It will happen. Then it's, all right, we got to figure out how we split up this, you know, meteorites deal. We're going to make billions upon billions of dollars. We're all going to be, you know, richer than we ever could. I think there's going to be a lot of discussion in there of how do we split this among 32 teams, 34 teams, whatever the number is. And then it will be, all right, we're expanding and here's where we go. I've long held to, they're going to add two teams, get up to 32. I'm starting to wonder if they say, let's be the first to get to 34. Let's, mm. let's, let's own a couple markets where there's no other 
North American professional sport. Let's get into Mexico City. Again, let's get Seattle and Las Vegas because they're not going to lose those two markets fully to all the other teams that have come in. We'll do those two. We'll do Mexico City, and maybe it'll be. Let's get back into Canada, somewhere else in Canada. Do Vancouver again? I, I think there's a chance we see this. And then if you go to 34, then what you could really do is you could put all four of those teams in the West, because those would all be West teams. And then you could move Minnesota and uh, Memphis, get them to the East. There's your mm-hmm. 17 and 17. Off you go. Your league makes a lot more sense with the way it's structured and balanced. You build out your divisions, conferences, however you do it, and off you go. And everybody goes. 34 might be ambitious, but I remember this is going way, way back. People forget they brought four teams in once before. They brought in Orlando, the original Charlotte Hornets, the Miami Heat, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Four teams, one round of expansion. They brought them in two teams one year, two teams the next year because they were a little conscious of, we're going to introduce four. Expansion teams are terrible, so we don't mm-hmm. want to introduce four terrible teams all at once and then have you know some team go you know 76 and 6 or something because they piled up wins. But that's how they did it. They brought those four teams in basically in one fell swoop. And wouldn't surprise me if we I, I think we're gonna get to 32, but would not shock me if we ended up going to 34. That'll be interesting. And I, so you're saying you don't think they would do four at one time. They would do two and two. I, maybe we'll we'll see. They might bring in all four at once if they go that way. I, I and that's more. I'm just speculating and throwing that out there. There's not right. This isn't. You're not reporting that this is yeah, what's happening. Two's gonna happen. And and I strongly believe. Right. I, I guarantee there's expansion discussion. I, I can report and say I know there's discussion around. What happens if we expand going on in the CBA talks? Like that is happening. Um, mm-hmm. And that's more just, are we good with the way it works now? We are. Okay, let's go um, with that. Or we want to tweak and adjust this or whatever it is. Then it's going to be CBA, get the TV deal done. And then we're going to have, you know, all right, we're expanding. And then it'll be, we're opening up the bids and all the other stuff that goes along with all that. That'll probably take a full year to play out. We'll get the, the cities picked It'll probably be two, is my guess, more likely. And then, yeah, it'll probably take another two years before we see the two teams come kind of into fruition. It's generally about a two-year process from the we're getting a team in Seattle versus the time you actually see them come come into being. Now, I mean, I would have to imagine like Seattle from having previously had an NBA team, Las Vegas from you know, hosting Summer League and already having the relationship with the NBA, like the – I would think there would be a little bit of a head start in terms of of building up a team. It wouldn't be you wouldn't quite be going from scratch. Uh, yeah. Whereas like Mexico City, okay, you get the G League, but still that would be more That's of a from scratch type situation. Yeah. Um, this is going to be like we've talked about how there's enough talent to do two more teams, but when you talk about four. That's that's 60 more regular season roster spots, like or just regular roster spots that you're talking about, plus two way spots. Add those in. Then if you want to get into G League teams, that like. Is there? You already look around the NBA, and superstars are in high demand because they're very limited. There's a limited number of them. Mm-hmm. Is is there enough for four teams? Enough talent? For that, I think for there's that enough game? talent eventually. That's why it probably won't be four right off the yeah. bat. But what I think the four comes into play is we don't want to lose markets to other sports, other things that, mm-hmm. that happen in those markets. They're, they're very conscious of that. I think Seattle definitely coming back. They got a hockey team. Now it becomes, 
all right, we can't be fourth. We can't be the fourth team. Las Vegas, they've if, if, if the A's end up moving there, which has been talked about a million times, you don't want to be fourth to the market, right? So you want to get back in there, get in there really, you know, we, we want our piece. We want to own it. Mm-hmm. It's, if if I if I did, maybe you can't bet on such things, but if you could, I would go put a substantial amount of money on Seattle and Las Vegas. I am very convinced they will both get teams. I think then we will see the Memphis Grizzlies move to the Eastern Conference, or we will see a full scale restructure done of the way conferences and the schedule looks and all that sort of stuff. And maybe Minnesota goes into a thing because right, Minnesota's in a weird spot as well. Um, yeah, well, we'll see something done where where they rebalance things out somewhere or another. But I, I just think the reason I say four is where there's already I just read a thing just this week that the NFL is looking at. All right, if we were to add two more teams, where would we go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what cities would get those teams? Yeah, well, what would we want to look at? I um, mean, those kind of things. I I think we're just in a position where it's going to be as much as it could. Two, we can easily support in the league. There's more than enough talent. When you look at the guys who get cut, the guys who are at the end of benches that don't get to play very much or they're bench players and we're like, that guy should probably be a starter somewhere. There's more than enough talent. Four, all at once, I would probably dilute. But I'll I'll say within 10 years where the NBA will be at probably 34 teams or, or pushing towards that. It just feels like it's it's long overdue, and and they're they're, they're going to be pushing. They're behind everybody else right now, right? Everybody mm-hmm. else is you know got, got more teams. I think the NHL is thirty two. Uh, Major League yeah. Baseball has, uh, but what are they? They're at thirty, and then uh, the NFL is at thirty two. So they they you know they're they're not going to lag behind for too long. Yeah, this is something that uh, is is likely. I mean, well, we know it's coming in terms of expansion, but uh, I do think that's an interesting idea about getting into Mexico City first before some of these other leagues do getting in some other markets and, and just kind of capturing that market you already you, you know you lost the opportunity to be first into vegas despite already having an, a an in sort of in that city because you've got the uh the summer league there so it'd be interesting to see how the the nba ultimately plays this but sounds like it is, it is gonna happen and i mean obviously we're a few years away but i can't wait to start figuring out oh, okay man, which, which players are teams protecting and what what moves are they gonna be that that's gonna be oh man I, it, it, we're gonna have stuff to talk about for forever <laughs> i was talking talking to to a friend of mine and I, and I was like man i i was like i will be content rich forever like I, it'll be protected lists and and not protected lists and then mock drafts for the expansion and yep. all these things and explain just writing explainers for how does this work like, like like I'm already giddy about the idea of it too and you know quite frankly it's we think mostly about the players but this is a chance to add two more full coaching staffs two more mm-hmm. full front offices two more rounds of you know PR jobs, two more rounds of business jobs for, for everything, two more franchises worth of that. Like you, 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 this is, you know, you're talking thousands of jobs that get created out of adding two new teams beyond all of the you know fun of there's two new teams. All the, the only thing I know for certain is one is going to Seattle and mm-hmm. People there will riot if they're not the Seattle Supersonics. Like if they try to get oh, cute and name yeah, them something no. else, they're gonna lose their mind. Like you know, if they're the Seattle 
salamanders or seattle samurais <laughs> or something like people are going to lose their minds like it's got to be the seattle supersonics Absolutely. Just roll it back same uniforms color scheme the whole deal just let, let's go and pe- people will be people will be on excited about that but yeah it's uh it, it's coming and, and it's it's coming sooner than rather than later i think yeah yep absolutely should we'll we'll see where he's at like seattle whenever that city comes back just to kind of like try to make peace they should just automatically be gifted kevin durant <laughs> right they got him for what they had him for what a year i think it was yeah, yeah. like uh they, two they, right because westbrook played one year there oh too. that's right it was it was russ that was yeah. one year that's yeah. right but yeah, I mean, yeah, you you just look at you know, what the Thunder Bell like that 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 could have been the Sonics, right? And that's what they mm-hmm. they were already in process of trying to you know make that happen. But yeah, that's a, you know that's a, that's a what could have been. And Kevin Durant's talked often about how much he loved uh, you know Seattle and how mm-hmm. how, you know, how thrilled he was to play there. And it was uh, yeah, it was crazy. But yeah, yeah, get get a little more balance to to the coast too, you know, for for your league and and everything. So yeah, it's it, it's coming. It is. It is indeed. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Make sure you do subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Be back for more this week as we get closer and closer to those Christmas Day games. Oh, boy. It's almost here. Till next time, everybody. See you and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.